Among the underlying assumptions I hold about the context of my work is this. I believe that everyone seated here has a deep craving for intimacy, love, belonging, and community. Men and women, young and old, rich and poor, all of us share this deep longing for intimacy, love, belonging, and community. It seems this longing is part of the defining characteristic of what makes us human and likely explains why we've been drawn together here today. Within common parlance, we often assign the category of home to the places and people with whom we experience these good things. And while a sense of home can be experienced in a variety of contexts, we normally think of it as the nexus of geography and family that nurtured us into life and set us on our way. Of course, for some, that, that place doesn't now exist in real time, if it ever really did. As I thought about it this week, I realized that over the formative years of my life, I never had a geographical place I would call home. There's no Bauman homestead. There's no one house in which I grew up, no one set of people who predominated beyond my immediate nuclear family. I didn't have close contact with extended family. My nuclear family's mobility prevented the establishing of ongoing neighborhood associations. In that sense, my parents and brothers were my only home, my only location. So I'm the product of few tangible material associations that conjure nostalgic notions of home. But like all of you, I still crave intimacy, love, belonging, and community. And I have learned that those longings do not dissipate with age. In fact, they deepen and gain nuance and poignancy. Now, no doubt there are some here this morning who have conflicted feelings about their homes of origin. The very word home might awaken painful memories of loss or dysfunction. Still, others have had the good fortune to have experienced a nurturing place and people that were vital and healthy. And for these fortunate ones, home means something warmly physical. It's a, a place to which they like to return, and if not possible in literal fact, then at least in their hearts and minds. And gratitude is the essential word of grace to offer them. But regardless of our backgrounds, here we all are in New York City of all places. Very few, if any of us, grew up here. Some have stayed for decades, others have only just arrived. For the Baumans, it became the place my children grew up, grew up and came to know as home. And over the course of my life, I've now been here eight times longer than anywhere else I've ever lived. 
As culture has evolved for us postmoderns, the idea of home has become somewhat ambiguous, I know, but the deep cravings continue. Our cultural context changes and evolves, but the deepest innate needs, human needs, remain. Some years ago, while in conversation with a member of Christ Church who had, who had very conflicted feelings about her home of origin, related an unusual dream in which she experienced a vision of the risen Christ. She reported that that seemed rather bizarre to her that she would have this kind of a dream, but awakening, she recalled that it came from an 18th century mural painted in an old church from her hometown in Pennsylvania Dutch country. The church was founded by German immigrants. She described the painting as a particular favorite of hers as a child. It depicted the resurrection with Jesus suspended above the ground, arms outstretched with little but a loincloth covering him. And inscribed in the painting was a, a phrase in German, Frieda sei mit euch, peace be with you. And she explained that euch was a plural form of the pronoun you, but in the familiar case, and this was an extremely important detail, she said, because especially at the time the painting was commissioned, this pronoun would have been reserved only for the most intimate of family members. The point being that Jesus was intimate family for all who gazed upon the resurrection. And it was this specific realization that was the important focus of the dream cementing her profound personal and intimate spiritual associations. Well, her experience is consistent with my belief that our cravings for intimacy, love, belonging, and community are at root deeply spiritual yearnings. They transcend time and place. Yes, they are important aspects of our emotional and psychological selves, but the things we often refer to as the important components of home are manifestly longings of our spirit. And no matter the status of our hometown experience, we have an instinct, something we might even call a homing beacon for what will bring us our deepest fulfillment. You may not have thought of it like this, but I suspect that for most of us, that homing beacon led us here this morning. I mean, why else are you really here? In our gospel lesson, we heard a beautiful sequence spoken by Jesus to his disciples as they are gathered for their final time together. They don't quite know it's Jesus' last farewell at this point, but as John tells the story, Jesus knows his time is very limited. And in a spirit of compassion, he yearns for his friends to know that though he will no longer be with them physically, they will not be left bereft. In fact, his intimate presence will be more available than they now can comprehend. He says... 
those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and then this striking phrase we will come to them and make our home with them he adds peace i leave with you my peace i give to you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled I do not give as the world gives. We will come to them and make our home with them. That phrase sort of leapt off the page for me this week. It's a striking statement and tremendously powerful when we allow it to sink way down into our depths. If we do allow that to happen, this home Jesus and his Father makes will settle into our foundational experience of life, securing our undergirding superstructure, providing the surest sense of our place in the grand scheme of things. When Paul sat in a Roman prison, he wrote an astonishingly hope-filled letter to his friends in Philippi. And towards the end of it, he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, this peace is of the same character as the peace Jesus spoke about. And I'm wanting to say that clearly God has made a home with Paul even as he sits in prison awaiting his trial. Of all places, even there, home can be found. And that promised peace that comes by way of God making home with him is a gift that Paul wishes to share with his friends. When you have something this precious, this valuable, the only thing you can do is to share it. We might ask, well, how is it that someone can make a home with us? And the answer is supremely obvious. Someone makes a home with us if we let them enter. If we open the door and say, welcome. You know, I have been asked many, many times in many different ways over the years how a robust relationship with God can happen. And again, the answer is really quite simple. It's done by opening the door to the one who's already there knocking. I make no apology here for perhaps sounding a bit overly basic or piously naive. I know this message doesn't sound especially hip or snazzy, but then the things that really, really matter, the things that transcend time and place, the things that define our humanity at its best are often quite homespun. 
You remember several weeks ago when, when we read the story of the resurrected Jesus appearing on the seashore with his friends sharing breakfast over a campfire? Remember that story? That also came in John's Gospel, and I would tell you that what it is is an image of Jesus and his Father having come to make a home with them. That's what you do, isn't it, when you have friends spending the night? Don't you get up and make them breakfast? It's a small-scale scene that held within it the power of life abundant. Intimacy, love, belonging, and community fulfilled right there on the seashore as they shared a bit of bread and fish. And I'm thinking that that picture of breakfast is like a seed full of potency sprung from God having made a home on earth in the lives of those who would receive God. So here then, let me ask you to do something. Will you set your hands, palms up and open on your lap? And perhaps you will then hold these words. Holy One, come and make your home with me.